so here we are in studio ready for another exciting hour of disclosure. My name is Sean Boonstra. I am, well, for better or for worse, the host of this show. This is what you're stuck with for the next 58 minutes minus the breaks. You can enjoy those breaks so they don't have to listen to my voice. Good news, though. I have my wife in studio. Her name is Jean. Yes. And uh, you are not so hard to take for 58 minutes. I think I could probably spend the next 58 minutes in studio with you quite happily. Oh, well, good to know. Yeah. And yeah. I can tell I can tell that the warm weather has passed away mm-hmm. and that we are now encroaching. It's not, I don't know if it's quite technically winter yet. I guess it mm-hmm. depends on where you're listening to this. This might be a podcast and if... Your driveway needs shoveling. It's definitely winter. But in some places, it hasn't really hit yet. And so it's not winter. But I know it's winter. I don't know it by the calendar. I don't know it by the arrival of the winter solstice. I know it by my wife's wardrobe. And my wife has a sweater (laughs) on. You're observant. Yeah, it's kind of a turtlenecky thing. It is one of my winter sweaters. But that's not like a turtleneck, is it? It's like like the neck is a scarf almost. What would you call that? This is called a cowl neck. A cowl neck. Is it attached to the sweater? It is. It's a cowl neck. I Mm -hmm. should wear a cowl neck. You know, I haven't seen it a lot in men's wardrobes. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, no, if you wore wore a black hood with it, though, it could be. It could be like a medieval monk. I guess so. That would be a fun look. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can't really tell by my wardrobe when winter has come because even in 30 below, I'll wear shorts around the house. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always too warm. You are. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I think that you keep the house too hot. Mm, you, it's always summer in the house. It's like 70, which is blistering hot see, for a boy from northern Canada. <laughs> your definition of hot is different from the rest of the world. Yeah. That's the issue. I don't think we actually got in here to do the battle of the ages, the battle over the thermostat. No, which, probably not. Although you can write letters. Maybe we should do an episode based on the battle of the sexes because the battleground seems to be the thermostat in a lot of marriages. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's not really our topic today. <laughs> Here's what I thought we'd talk about today. Um, and it's going to be interesting. As a matter of fact, so interesting that you might start to think that this topic should go on one of those late night shows that talks about weird stuff in the middle of the night. But but it's not weird at all, not from a Christian perspective. I thought we'd talk about a subject that honestly has always given me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know how else to. I and mean, I think I'm probably doing this therapeutically. We're going to discuss this therapeutically because this one has always given me the creeps. Okay. And the subject is the possibility that the gift of prophecy Hmm. is still active to this day. That this isn't something that just happened in the days of the Bible before the New Testament canon closed. That there are still prophets today as there were in biblical times um, and people who God gives a message and then they share the message with you. Now, that is not a comfortable topic for me. No, no, it, and it isn't for me. It's one that, you know, I think we kind of squirm over and maybe we don't talk about a lot because no. of that. So no, I'm glad gives, we're talking Well, it gives me it. the heebie-jeebies. It really does. I mean, I'm of a Northern European extraction. I grew mm-hmm. up in a very old school Northern European religious tradition and so did you. And this kind of subject just never came up. I mean, no. everybody just went to church and fell asleep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know. Until after church. Then until after church. got to go and have cookies. Yeah. So, yeah. But... But it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And there's a reason this gives me the heebie-jeebies, because I guess over the last oh, 50 years, let's say, I've had a lot of really weird experiences in mm-hmm. the world of religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, some really weird stuff. Once upon a time, I don't know if you remember these years, I think we were already dating. But mm-hmm. once upon a time, I used to do damage restoration in people's homes. And yeah, so if you I had remember. a flood or a fire or 
Somebody, well, this one was gross. Somebody died and you needed somebody to clean it up. That was me. That's the guy who came up. And one of the most common things that I had to address was people who spilled bleach in their carpet. They'd be cleaning with bleach and get a couple drips in the carpet. And I actually figured out, I knew how to restore the bleach spot in your carpet back to its original color and make it go away. Mm-hmm. With so, dye, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would mm-hmm. dye the carpet. And yeah. that was really well paying back in the <laughs> back in the olden days. It's a lot cheaper than replacing a whole well, carpet. Well, yeah, it was. So wow. I, would go and, I, I would go and do this in these homes. And I was at this one apartment. This lady was renting an apartment, and she had bleached a spot in the living room and was going to move out soon. So she was freaking out. I have to fix this or I lose my damage deposit. Mm-hmm. I said, not a problem. I can fix this for you. And so I'm sitting there with my eyedropper and my dye kit and all the chemicals I need to neutralize the bleach. I'm on my knees in the living room, drip, 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 putting dye in in different fibers. I mean, I literally went fiber by fiber, Mm -hmm. fixing it. And as I'm kneeling there in the living room, she's sitting on the couch watching this. And she suddenly says, you know, I can read auras. Yeah, And it was almost in a spooky voice. I can read auras. I said, (laughs) and I was a smart aleck before I was a Christian. I was like, you you can read auras. And what color is mine? Your aura is, I can't remember, blue. I can't remember what color she picked, but she claimed she could see an aura over me. Hmm. And then she started predicting things about my life, and she said, based on your aura, I know that this is going to happen to you. Well, anybody can make stuff up. We can't confirm that. But then she started telling me things based on my supposed aura that she knew about me and my past. And I actually started laughing out loud. I wasn't a nice young man. I actually started laughing out loud because she had it so wrong. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah. You've got like three sisters and two brothers. Your aura says, no, no, got two brothers. Yeah. You were born in, I can't remember where she said I was born, Newfoundland. No, I wasn't born in Newfoundland. She's getting it wrong. (laughs) And But it was creeping me out. She's looking at me all weird. I'm pretty sure she's into occult stuff because there's Mm. occult stuff on the walls. I'm not liking it. So this topic gives me the heebie-jeebies. Sure. Um, And that's outside the realm of Christianity. Inside the realm of Christianity, after I became a Christian, I had some experiences that creeped me out just as much. Mm. Um, Do you remember the holy laughter movement? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. That went around in the, I think, late 80s or early 90s. Still going in the 90s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were some people who had moved past speaking in tongues, and what they were doing was laughing in the spirit. And it got way out of control. Right, way out of control. It was sort of centered in Toronto. I think some people called it the Toronto Revival. Hmm. And it got down to the point where people were crawling around on all fours, barking in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all were supposed to be born again, so they would wear diapers to church. And it was just, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And so I was telling people um, that uh, they ought not to go there because there was stuff happening. It was very strange. And a woman said, no. No, it's of God. I know it's of God because I got there and people were dropping like flies, rolling around on the ground, barking in the spirit, and then somebody slipped me a note that had information on it that nobody could possibly know. Hmm. And I said, that is not evidence. Mm -hmm. That is not. We'll get into that in the show a little bit later today, why that is not evidence that God is behind something. But it was creepy. It creeped her out. She decided to believe it. It creeped me out, and I decided that settles it. For sure, I'm never setting foot in that place. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird stuff. There is stuff that happens you can't explain. And to this day, mm-hmm. to this day, I still get letters. I get lots of letters. I don't want any more letters. <laughs> I want all letters to be addressed to Jean Boonstra at Box 999 Loveland, Colorado. She can answer the letters now. Oh, I know where to find you. I'll, yeah. I'll pass along well, the letters. Well, no, most of the letters are good. You know, I have one oh, sitting yeah. here in a folder somebody wrote in saying, when you explained that the moral law of God wasn't nailed to the cross in Colossians, Chapter 2, you should have mentioned that the ceremonial law uh, 
is done away with after Christ, and that's a great point. We yeah, just didn't have time in that show. Yeah, it was a yeah. good point. So we get lots of good letters, but I get the odd one that's just really weird. Mm, I had a dream last night about you, and the Lord sent me a message for you, or the Lord's been speaking to me. And then they say something that is so, how do I, whack-a-doodle. <laughs> I, I don't know of a nice way to put it. I was going it. to say anti-scripture. Okay, anti-scripture yeah. and whack-a-doodle. Yeah. <laughs> they say something so far off base, there is no way God said it. There's uh, no way God said it. Right. So when it comes to this whole, I've had so many weird experiences in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the subject of whether or not God still has the gift of prophecy active in the church today, uh, I have the heebie-jeebies. Mm. I get the heebie-jeebies. Well, outside from of your letters that you've received, Sean, I remember not too many years ago, we were doing a public event in the city of Los Angeles, right yes. downtown LA. La La Land, right La in Kelly. Yeah, Los Angeles is weird enough on its own, there, even without, you know, manifestations. But My apologies some... to those living in California, by the way. Write your complaint letters to Gene Boonster, Box 999, Loveland, Colorado. Listen, I love the yeah. years we lived in Southern yes, California. Yes, I do too. I do too. But um, we had some interesting experiences when we were at that venue in downtown LA didn't oh, we? Yeah. memorable yeah we had a, a prophet a self-proclaimed prophet show up in the meeting one night I'm speaking and he gets up out of his seat with a book in his hand it's not the Bible I don't know what it is and he walks down to the front very slowly and I'm thinking where is security what's he doing and we did have security yeah we did in downtown LA, yeah. you have to have security yeah. yeah and he just starts yelling at people in the front row prophesying yeah. and then the next night we had somebody show up Man, this one's just weird. <laughs> Said I'm she, thought she was the second coming of Jesus. She showed up in a, a, a in a white dress with a tambourine, running up and down the aisles. Woo! I've come for my children. It was right. weird. Yeah, and then I the third night, one. this mm -hmm. big guy, six foot eight, leans over me, finds me at the door. I am your father. You know, it's like something <laughs> out of Star Wars. Yeah. I am your father. I'm pretty sure I know who my dad is, sir. No, you are not. No, I'm not your earthly father. I'm your heavenly father. It's like, okay, that's enough of L.A. <sighs> so now we understand why this subject gives me the creeps. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But the question I want to explore from the Bible today, though, is, is it actually real? Mm. Does it happen? Is it possible that the real thing still happens? And I think, Gene, we need to ask that. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard an awful lot of people suggest that some of the gifts of the Spirit, like apostles and prophets in particular, I will hear Christians today say, well, those are no longer valid today. Those gifts no longer exist. They were only meant for a very special time in salvation history. And when the canon of the Bible closed, it, um, it was no longer so. Hmm. So I guess then we really need to ask, does the Bible indicate that the gift of prophecy is still active even now after the close of the new testament yeah i think that's what we want to try and conquer maybe by yeah. the end of the show does it still exist and maybe the right place to start is to discuss why the prophetic gift ever needed to exist in the first place mm -hmm. um, you know originally the bible says in those first chapters in the book of genesis that god would come to the garden in the cool of the evening and actually meet with our first parents. Oh, and there seemed to be direct yeah. contact between before sin where God said, hey, I've made you and here's your wife and go ahead and name the animals and, and so on. There was direct face-to-face -face contact. But sin mm -hmm. made that impossible. Right. Sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. Mm -hmm. The Bible teaches that we were cut off from God. 
And so no longer could we appear directly in the presence of a holy God on his throne or we would be destroyed by that presence. The Mm -hmm. Bible teaches that again and again and again. So after sin, what happens? God begins using intermediaries. He starts sending messages to people through a class of people that we today would call the prophets. And some of them wrote it down and wrote passages of the Bible. Um, God obviously continued to reveal himself through the works of nature that he had created, but it was never face to face. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions I want to explore is, has that changed? Are we now today, even after the cross, able to immediately stand in the presence of God as we are right now, today? No, no. We still can't have face-to-face contact, and so the prophetic gift is still needed. We have the prophetic gift in the Bible, and God speaks to us through the Bible, but the question is, does he ever still speak to us from time to time? The primary way, historically, has been that God spoke to prophets uh, who wrote the Bible. That's still the primary way that prophets are used to speak to us today. I see that we're going to be up against a break pretty soon. I see Harim reaching for the dial, mm-hmm. and he's like yawning. He's so bored with what you've been saying today <laughs> that uh, he's reaching for the dial and turning on the music. No. I, I think he's probably tired because we've all been working very long yeah, hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, um, and you haven't been doing all the chatting to this point. Definitely We're talking not. about the gift of prophecy. Does it still exist in today's world and among Christians and in the church today? We're going to take a little brief break, and then we're going to go back and look at one primary way that God has used prophets to speak to us in the past. That's through the scriptures. We're going to see what the Bible actually says about that, and then we're going to dig just a little bit deeper. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm Jean Boonstra, your co-host for today's program. Thanks for joining Sean and I here in our studio. Where I, where I once signed off as Jean Boonstra. <laughs> yes, that's because I was, was looking at you. And it was the very end of the show. I didn't even have time to, yeah. you know, yeah, get back. Fortunately, or... that's the only mistake I've made in my entire broadcasting career. Yeah, well, yeah, broadcasting there are never mistakes. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> hmm. Hey, Sean, we're talking about something that um, you know you described. Sort of makes gives you the heebie-jeebies yeah, as you used the word. Yep. It's a topic that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, sort of maybe makes us squirm a little. Maybe we avoid. But that's whether or not the gift of prophecy still exists today. You yeah. know, since the close of the New Testament. Before the break, you know, we talked about how since the time of sin, we no longer have the privilege of just having a face-to-face conversation with our Creator God. 
And that the primary way now that God speaks to us is through the prophets who then have recorded that in the scriptures for right. us. And you were going to show us from the Bible yeah. how we Second know that's Peter. true. Second Peter. This is okay. a landmark verse. Many Christians know it well. Second Peter 1 verse 21. It says, For prophecy never came by the will of man. That's one of the ways you know right away when there's a false prophet. If it's describing the will of man and somebody makes themselves a prophet, mm. probably not the real thing. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. There so the prophecies that we have are God-inspired, the mm. word inspiration, theopstenusis. God breathed. He breathes through the prophets, and they write this down. So that's one primary way today that the prophetic gift obviously still is in the church because the words of the prophets were written down in the 66 books that we have in the biblical canon. Yes. And God clearly, God is behind it. He breathed it. The Holy Spirit moved these authors to write these words. So that's one way. And, of course, when God came in human flesh, that was another way that he did communication mm, with course. us through an intermediary, right? It was the ultimate revelation of God when Jesus came in human flesh, God the Son in human flesh. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, listen to this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So there mm -hmm. it is. That's how God communicates to us after sin, mm -hmm. through the prophets. And he's done that in a variety of ways, it says. Verse 2, has in these last days, in that context, it's talking about the New Testament era where now the countdown is on into the second coming of Christ. Sure. Mm -hmm. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, mm. whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Mm. So in the Old Testament, God is speaking to the prophets. And those prophets predict the arrival of Messiah. Right. Messiah comes. It's God in human flesh. And that's the ultimate revelation of yeah. who God is. In another show, we talked about what we can know about God. And we can't know everything about him because he's God and we're human. But we can know God's character, and Jesus showed us what that is. Well, and the prophets predicted that Messiah would come. Exactly. And so Messiah actually arriving is also a fulfillment of, of them being well, it, it yeah. validates them as prophets. Right. Yeah. And if he is God in human flesh, he was sending his own notice ahead of himself through those go. prophets. That's right. He was letting us know that he was coming. Mm -hmm. And his life, obviously, his career, this is why it's so important to spend so much time in the Gospels if you're trying to figure out who God is, is that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. He's, we, he knows we can't cross the barrier to come to his side as sinners. Right. So he crossed the barrier and came to our side as one of us. Here's what it says in John 14, okay. verse 7. If you had known me, Jesus says, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Mm -hmm. Well, how can we see the Father? Nobody has seen the Father. Philip said, and this is in verse 8 of John 14, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Mm -hmm. Now listen to his words in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Mm -hmm. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Right. If you've seen yeah. Jesus, you've seen the Father. We can no longer step immediately into God's presence, not on this side of the second coming. And so God spoke to us through the prophets in times past, Hebrews chapter 1, and then he came in person to reveal what the Father is like, right? So God uses intermediary processes while we are in this condition to communicate with us. Hmm. But mm -hmm. the issue now comes, and this is really what we're going to get at today. The issue comes about, some people say, well, then the prophetic gift 
is no longer necessary. Right. It can be scrubbed away. It doesn't happen anymore. Not after because we have the Bible. That's good enough. And we have the incarnation of Christ, God the Son, mm -hmm. in human flesh. That's enough. Mm -hmm. And because we have the Bible and we have the incarnation of Christ, we no longer need the prophetic gift. And there's a big part of me that wants to say amen, because I want no more of these weird people reading my aura and right. and, and giving me messages from the Lord that are clearly not from the Lord and, and, and so on. But, John, the, the New Testament seems that's, to indicate otherwise that this gift issue. is still present. That's the issue. In yeah. the New Testament, we have clear evidence that God expects that gift to be there after the New Testament period closed. Let's yeah. take a look at one. I mean, there are all these lists of gifts. Jesus predicts in John's Gospel that the Holy Spirit was going to come. I'm going to send you another comforter. Mm -hmm. I like that it's another comforter because Jesus obviously was a comforter, and now another comforter is going to come. Jesus has physically taken our form for all time. He rose from the body with a physical body. He said, touch me and see, handle and mm -hmm. see. He comes back as the Son of Man. He holds human form forever. He goes back to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes in his place, and he is now the presence of God in this world. And the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, abilities to the church in order to be carrying out the gospel commission, the job that Jesus gave the church to do, which is tell the world right. that he has come yeah. and that God and is that love coming again. and that there's an option to step back into his presence. Right. So there are three key passages in the Bible that list the gifts that are given to the church, three mm -hmm. big ones, okay? Ephesians 4 is one of those. Mm. Look at this. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he himself, that's Christ, gave some to be apostles, some what? Mm. Prophets. Prophets, one of the gifts of the Spirit. Some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, you have these gifts so that you can carry out the task God gave you to do. Mm -hmm for the edifying of the body of Christ. And now look at verse 13. It tells us how long these gifts are going to last. Till we all come in, uh, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And, that, and that's ongoing. That's ongoing. Yes, Have we arrived definitely. there yet? No, it no. happens when we are finally glorified after the second coming of Christ. Right. That list says that prophets are still there. So here I am with an uncomfortable feeling about this topic, and yet the book of Ephesians says very clearly that we should there expect it, it to be there right to the end. Right. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I love that. That tells us there is nobody who doesn't have spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. You are useful yeah. in the kingdom of we God. We have different, but we all have some. We have Absolutely. something. Everybody, to each mm -hmm. one. Now here come those gifts. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 12. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another what? Mm, prophecy. Prophecy. It goes on with some more gifts, but there it is again. I can't get around the fact that it's in every list of gifts. Yeah. Not every gift is in every list, but this one actually is. Uh, it says actually in verse 11, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let me pause there. It's a different subject, but a lot of people say that every Christian is supposed to have the same spiritual gift, and it's a mark of how you've really arrived in life, and we all have the same one. No, 
Everybody no. gets something different, and the Spirit decides who gets what. Yeah, we don't. As He wills. Right. It's, it, God determines. Yeah. Yes. So if the gift of prophecy is real in these days, you can't appropriate it to yourself. Thank God you. will decide whether or not that's real. Yeah. Mm. Romans 12. Romans okay. 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, this is verse 6, let us use them. There's good counsel. If you have gifts, use them. Mm -hmm. If you waste mm -hmm. them, they go away. Right. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us what? Prophesy. Prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, mm -hmm. let it use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, and it goes on. But there it is again. So it's saying, really, if you have this spiritual gift, God's also entrusting it to you so that you will use it. Supposed to use it. Yeah. Supposed to use it. And you don't get to pick it. You can't say, I'm going to be a last day prophet. No. You right. can't. God makes that decision. Yeah. Nobody has the same gift. Well, some people have the same gifts, obviously, in different places, but no two of us are completely alike, and everybody has something, mm -hmm. right? And nobody has nothing. I love that. So the question is, is it possible that the gift of prophecy survived the close of the New Testament, that we should still expect it in the church today? We have to believe that if we're going to believe the New Testament. Right. Now, here's the thing we have to remember, because a lot of people freak out. That means you're adding to the Bible. No. No, it doesn't, right? The canon of Scripture is closed. There is not going to be another book added to this Bible. There Absolutely. are 66 books. We're done. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to be added to that. Mm -hmm. We can't add to the canon, even if somebody shows up and God has a message through that person. The canon of Scripture is closed. But the other thing we have to remember is that not all prophets wrote a book of the Bible. That's right. That's right. I mean, the prophetic gift was was more than just being recorded for Scripture, for us, for That's today. Right. There were other purposes for that gift. Right, yeah. right. So, for example, in the Old Testament, we have this specific situation. Mm -hmm. David sees Bathsheba. Right. right? He, does, he does the worst thing possible. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. And then he has the husband killed to clean up the mess. And and then Nathan the prophet comes in and tells him a story yes. about a man who stole a sheep from a poor man right. and confronts him. That mm -hmm. was a prophetic message. Prophecy doesn't mean predicting the future. Sometimes mm -hmm. it is that, the prophet Daniel and so on. But sometimes it's relaying a message from God, and Nathan did that. Yep. Did Nathan write a book of the Bible? No, no, he, no he did didn't. not. Uh, there's another one. Agabus shows up a couple times in the books of Acts. Book of Acts, there's not books of Acts, sorry. Mm -hmm. The book of Acts chapter 11 and verse 27, he predicts a famine that is coming. Mm -hmm. Did Agabus write a book of the Bible? Do you no. know of a book of Agabus? In the, no, he I did not, no. right? Noah prophesied the flood, well-known prophet of God. He preaches for years and years and years that the flood is coming, but Noah, there is no book of Noah in the Bible. Right. So the gift of prophecy doesn't mean that you're writing scripture. Mm. It means you're speaking for God. Now, God used some prophets to write scripture, and that canon is now closed. But the other prophets are what you would call a message of present truth. Right. Is a specific situation for a specific time. That that's not necessary ne not necessarily predicting the future. Right. It's a message, but not necessarily a future message. Well, that, that's exactly right. But right. it's also for a specific time and place, not for all generations. Now, we can sure. learn from the story of Nathan and David. Oh, absolutely. God mm -hmm. sees it when you do these things. You know, there are lessons <laughs> right. to learn, but Nathan's message was not for everybody for all time. Nathan's message, in a way, was for David in that situation in that time, and so was Noah's. Noah was preaching a flood that was coming. Sure. Now, that flood is long in the past, and it's no longer 
longer present truth, although the New Testament uses the example of Noah to say just like that, the last days, the last days yeah. are going to come and the second coming is going to happen, but Noah didn't write a book of the Bible. So we have to remember that just because you have the gift of prophecy, it doesn't mean you actually wrote a book of the Bible, mm -hmm. and it doesn't replace the Bible, it doesn't supersede the Bible, it doesn't add to the biblical canon. We have to read this. I mean, the important thing is to read what the Bible actually says and learn from what it says about the gift instead of sort of extrapolating from Hollywood movies mm -hmm. about what prophecy might be. I hear the music. We're out of time, but for this segment, we're not out of time for the day. Do not turn off your radio because we're going to come mm -hmm. right back after this break and we're going to look at passages that say that the gift of prophecy is not only there, but there for the last days. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And we are back from the break. And I think we're in segment number three. Segment number yeah, three. Yeah, we're yes. somewhere on our way to third base in this program. I think I've used that baseball analogy too many times. So this yeah. is we're on our way to third base, and then the fourth uh, segment will be on our way to the home base. There you go. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. talking about prophecy, and what we've talked about is the fact that God used intermediaries to speak to the human race after sin because we could no longer stand in the presence of a holy God. And so he sent prophets with messages. Some of those prophets wrote down those messages, and some of those written messages have become uh, the books of the Bible that we have today, the mm -hmm. canon of Scripture. Another way that God revealed himself was to come in person. Mm -hmm. God the Son walked among us, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen, you've seen the, the Father. Father. Right. See, so what God has done is knowing that we can no longer stand in his presence, he came and stood in ours. He humbled himself, Philippians 2 says, took on the form of a servant and humbled himself all the way to the cross. He came in our direction. So we were talking about prophets and the gift of prophecy. We looked at Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. And in those passages, the Bible's very clear. In all those lists of spiritual gifts left to the New Testament church, the gift of prophecy was in every single it, one it of them. It was in all of those lists. Now, that doesn't mean people are going to add to the scriptures. We also Absolutely. looked at this idea that some prophets had what you would call present truth for a yeah. specific situation at their time in a specific place. People like Nathan and Agabus and even Noah right? Mm -hmm. didn't write books mm -hmm. of the Bible. But just before the break came, I said we would go and look at the fact that not only, not only would the gift of prophecy be there in the New Testament church, but that it would especially be there in the last days, mm. in that last gasp of history, 
before Jesus comes. Share and I, with us where, where that's found Well, in let's the take a look at a few passages. We're going to have to do okay. a little serious Bible study. If you're at home, I think you should grab a Bible and follow along or at least jot down these references so you can see it. Let's look at a famous passage on the last days mm-hmm. found in Joel chapter 2. We're now in the Old Testament. Lots of Old Testament prophecies point to the last days okay. in the book of Daniel and especially. But here's a passage in Joel that talks about those last moments before Christ returns. Here it is in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall do what? Mm, Prophesy. Prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Mm. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now we had a preliminary fulfillment of that at the day of Pentecost in Acts, because Mm -hmm. Peter actually quotes from here. But then look at the context. A lot of Christians have come to realize that there was an early and a latter rain in the harvest cycle in in Israel. The rains would come twice a year. There'd Mm -hmm. be a rain that started the crop and one that came and and sort of matured it. And uh, and we've come to realize that there was a fulfillment in the beginning where the church launches in power and people come to Christ and Peter is speaking through the power of the Spirit But it's going to be there again in the last days. How do we know? Look at the whole context of the verse. It's in verse 30, Joel 2, verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's talking about the last days. You can compare that to Matthew 24, Mark Mm -hmm. 13, Luke 21. Those passages name those same signs in conjunction with the return of Christ. So in that context, we ought to expect to see the Spirit being poured out on our sons and daughters, and we see the gift of prophecy very active. Now again, if anybody comes along and says they supersede the Scripture, reject it. This is Mm -hmm. not what this is. This is God delivering messages to his people in the last few moments through prophets. Here's another indication, Gene, over in the book of Revelation. You want to talk last day stuff? You go to the book of Revelation. Every time. What chapter? We're going to be in chapter 12. Now, if it is not yet January of 2018, when you're listening to this, we're actually going to put on a big Revelation seminar in the city of Denver. The Ellie Calkins Opera House opens January the 5th. Mm -hmm. That's coming very soon, where we'll go through all the major themes of Revelation. All right. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17 is talking about what the devil does with God's people in the last days. It says in verse 17, and the dragon, that's Satan. We know from reading the rest of the chapter. The dragon was enraged with the woman. What does a woman represent in Bible prophecy? God's church. God's church, God's people, right? Mm -hmm. It's always the bride of Christ and and, Mm -hmm. and so on. The dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God, they're obedient to God, Mm -hmm. and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people look at that and they say, testimony of Jesus Christ, isn't that nice? They Mm -hmm. say nice things about Jesus. Well, what does it mean? Well, it's a very specific... It's a very specific phrase, and it shows up elsewhere in the Bible. Um, The very beginning of this says that John was imprisoned um, for the testimony of Christ because he was bearing witness to Christ. He was was, uh, imprisoned for that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I believe, Paul said that the testimony of Christ has been confirmed in you as a church so that you come behind in no gift. In other words, the testimony of Christ is a gift. It's a gift. What is that gift? Well, let's take a look at Revelation 19. You always let the Bible be its own expositor. You let it explain itself. Yes. Here we go. Revelation 19 and verse 9. 
An angel is speaking to John. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. So the angel is speaking to John. Mm -hmm. Verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him. Uh-oh. You don't do that. You don't worship angels. Mm -hmm. And the angel is horrified. He said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the what? Testimony of Jesus. There it is again. Same Testimony phrase, of Jesus. Exactly. Worship God, says the angel, for the testimony of Jesus is the what? Spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy. Now, we want to keep a finger here. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. prophecy. It's explaining this, but it happens again. Go over to Revelation chapter 22 now. And it happens one more time. John is amazed by the things the angel is showing him. And in Revelation 22 and verse uh, 8, it says, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. I'm always encouraged by that. John's a bit of a slow study. He makes the same mistake <laughs> twice. Yeah. And I've made the same mistakes uh, far human. more often. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. human. But the angel is horrified again. Verse 9. See that you, you do, do not, not do, do that. that. <laughs> right? It's word for word the same. For yeah. I am of your I am your fellow servant. Now, back in chapter 19, it said, I am of your I am your fellow servant and of them that have the spirit of or the testimony of Jesus. Which is the spirit of prophecy. Which is the spirit of prophecy. Right. Here it says, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets. Right. Hmm. And of those who keep the words of this book. He says exactly the same thing, but instead of saying those who have the testimony of Jesus, now he says, I am of your brethren. The, the prophets. prophets. He mm -hmm. switches out the prophets for the testimony of Jesus, those who have the testimony of Jesus. In other words, it is a spiritual gift of prophecy. Mm -hmm. And the indication is here in the book of Revelation is that we ought to expect to find it among those who are obedient to God in the very last days. It says they keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The prophets, it says in chapter 22, are the ones who have the testimony of Jesus. Right. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that that church had the testimony of Christ so that they come behind in no gift. There's no question here. Hmm that we ought to, in the last days, expect to see the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, alive and well in the last day church. And that makes sense. Because you see a lot of instances in Bible prophecies. For example, the second half of Revelation 13. You've yeah. got a second beast helping the first beast, and he brings down fire from heaven, performs miracles in the sight of men. It's going to be overwhelming. Uh, Revelation 16 says the spirits of demons go out into the world performing signs and wonders and miracles. It's going to be a confusing time in the end. And the evidence of our senses, they're going to tell us that maybe we're wrong. We're going to start to doubt. And God, it seems, is going to place messengers in our midst to keep us focused on the Word of God, to keep us focused on the truth, to help us point back to Jesus mm -hmm. and stay right with Him in spite of all of the confusion. Here's another thing that's interesting. Jesus is warning about the last days in Matthew chapter 24. And he speaks about the world coming unhinged, earthquakes, famine, pestilence, war. But he also talks about religion gone bad in the last days. And he says, beware of false prophets. Right. Why wouldn't Jesus just say, beware of prophets? Beware of prophets. <laughs> true. It's because the real thing is going to be there in the last days. We should yeah. expect to see it. Hmm. So I've got no choice gives me the creeps, but I've got no choice but to believe that it might happen. Yeah. Well, the biblical evidence is there. Yeah. Is there. Yeah. So with all of that in mind, let me ask you about 
the Fox sisters. You remember them from history. Yeah. Uh, in upstate New York in the 1800s, um, would they represent a manifestation of the prophetic gift in yeah, this they were, time? They were pretty big news back in the 1800s, the Fox sisters. Um, no. I'm just going to give it a no. It fails because they were speaking to the dead, and the Bible specifically right. says you don't speak to the dead. Mm-hmm. It was Leah, Margaret, and Kate Fox, three little girls. 1848, they're living in this house. I don't know how long they'd been living there. I don't remember all of the details, but it's 1848. I do know that. And they hear rapping on the wall, and they start to suspect that it's a spirit. So they develop a system of communicating. This many raps means this, and this many raps means that. I can't remember if it was just a yes or a no. But they start speaking to this person on the other side of the basement wall, and it turns out to be somebody who identifies himself as Mr. Splitfoot. Hmm, right. Yeah. Now, right. that ought to make your hair stand on end. Mr. Yeah. Splitfoot is yeah. speaking to me from the great beyond. Mm. What Mr. Splitfoot told them is that he had been a merchant, a peddler who had been uh, murdered and buried in the cellar of that house. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just creepy, creepy stuff. But mm-hmm. now he was speaking to them by rapping on the wall. Is that the biblical gift of prophecy? I give it an F minus. Okay. Tell us how, how you know that it's an okay. F minus. First of all, you're not allowed to speak to the dead. So right. would God violate his own rules? Not a chance. First mm-hmm. uh, piece of evidence, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 19. Okay. When they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards. What are mediums? Well, that's... Kind of like what they were doing, speaking, speaking to the to dead. Speaking to the dead, right? Yeah. We still have TV mediums today. Yes. When they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter. That was the fashion back then. They would look into a bowl and whisper and mutter and talk to the dead. Should not a people seek their God? Hmm. Should they seek the dead in behalf of the living? The implied answer is no. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Mm-hmm. Not because there's some light in them. So if they're speaking to the dead, there's no light there. Walk away. Job chapter 7. As the cloud, this is verse 9, as the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does Doesn't not come, come back up. Right. He shall never return to his house. So Mr. Splitfoot can't come back to his house. Mm-hmm. Period. That's what the Bible <laughs> says. It's not some dead guy in the basement. It's a fallen angel knocking on the wall. Walk away. It's dangerous. Ecclesiastes 9. The living know that they will die. This is verse 5. But the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, their envy have perished. Never more will they have a share in anything, anything done under the sun. The dead don't come back to speak to us. So I give the Fox sisters a giant F minus. Okay. There's no way they were talking to the dead. That is not what the prophetic gift was. The prophetic gift is not going to violate clear instruction in the Bible not to talk to the dead. So that is a no. But of course, the next question is, we know what it's not. Well, then how do we know if it's really happening? If we know what it's not. What is it really legitimately? What what is it? I'm trying Mm -hmm. to put that cleverly, but I can't. So I hear the music. (laughs) I've got an entire break to think of something clever to say to match your wit. All right. And uh, so we'll be right back. I want you to get a pen and paper, write this down. There was so much more to study of these subjects, especially in Bible prophecy. Take down the information from this offer because you will in no time become the brightest Bible scholar on your block. Creation, evolution. Where did the world come from? Where did you come from? Were you created in an instant? Did you evolve from another animal or life species? 
These are issues that are discussed in classrooms, textbooks, and sometimes around your break table at work when the conversation suddenly turns serious. These kinds of questions are answered in our free Discover Bible Guides. These 26 beautifully illustrated guides cover all the major themes of the Bible and they answer some of the hardest questions of life. You can get your free copy just for the asking by contacting me. Go to VOP.com and click on the tab that says Study. That's VOP.com, the tab that says Study, or phone me, 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides, available just for the asking. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm Jean Boonstra, your co-host for today's program, where Sean and I are talking about, oh, a topic that maybe gets avoided because it may make us a little uncomfortable, and that's the presence of the gift of prophecy in this day and age, yeah. um, we looked at several scriptures, Sean, from the New Testament, and they all, when they list the gifts that the believers will have, well, the gift of prophecy is right there. So right before the break, we talked about one potential example, and that was the Fox sisters. You remember back yep. in the 1800s, they, they, were, they had the wrapping on the wall, and they said that they were speaking to someone from the dead. Yeah. Um, and and he, later in life, one of those girls actually disclaimed the whole thing. She said, we made that up. Made it all up, yeah. Right. So right. Um, it wasn't the real thing. It wasn't. So that was not an example of right. the gift of prophecy in this modern era. That's an example era. of what it's not. That's an example of what it's not. And we looked at the Bible references that clearly prove that. So really then, the important question for us now in the final segment of the program is, well, if this gift exists today, how can we tell if it's real, if, if, if it's really happening or... This is an example of a false prophet. Right. like because people are going to come the all the time. Sisters. I get all those letters and all these wackadoodles who tell me that God's speaking through them and so on. Right. How do you know? Because you, if the real thing's going to be there, how will you know when it's real? And the answer is really simple. You test it. Okay. And you test yeah. it with the tests that the Bible has. Oh, good. Right? First okay. John 4, verse 1. This is, uh, yeah, First John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. So we're warned to be cautious and careful. So that heebie-jeebie feeling that I get, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's normal. Mm -hmm. You should be extremely skeptical and cautious. Okay. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you have to test it. Mm -hmm. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And... Every spirit that does not confess that, uh, confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard was coming. Okay. He actually gives you one test right out of the gate. If somebody says no, and it was popular in the first century, there were people struggling with the fact that God could have become a real human being. And so they were you know, what we call docetists. They said, well, he only appeared to be human, but he really wasn't. And he says, oh. those people are false prophets. Sure. Um, but you were supposed to test it, whether they are of God. So okay. what are those tests? The Bible gives us a whole bunch of them, and we don't have to get confused on this. Test number one we just read. You have to be clear on the person and divinity of Christ. Mm. I am 
amazed by how many so-called last day psychics are putting out books. And when they, they always have to get to Jesus. For some reason, they always have to come to that subject. Mm -hmm. They can't ignore him. But then they always say, well, he was some sort of ascended master. Or, well, he was just like us and we are just like him and we can rise to the same station as him. They either rob him of his divinity or rob him of his humanity. Mm. So they would, they would fail they this fail. first part fail. of the if, test right out of the gate. Yeah, if you're not clear on who Jesus is, on the person and divinity and humanity of Christ, okay. look, if the Spirit's inspiring you, you're not going to contradict the clear teachings of the Bible, the teachings that were written by inspired prophets on who Jesus is. Yeah. So you're not going to get that wrong. Okay. Got to be clear. That's test number test one. one. Clear on the person of Jesus. Number two, we've already said that prophecy isn't necessarily predicting the future. Sometimes it's delivering a message from God like, well, Nathan, I was going to say Agabus, right. but Agabus was predicting a famine that would come. Prophecy is not necessarily predicting things, but sometimes it is. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, well, the Lord has told me that such and such is going to happen, you would expect that such and such is absolutely going to happen. Well, it that, has to. Yeah. It, I mean, if they're a prophet, a true prophet of God, if they predict something, it should come to pass as it, they predict it. God's not going to get it wrong. Right. Right. Remember, this is supposedly a message from God through a person. If they have the real gift and they get it wrong, it's not of God. Right. How do I know? Deuteronomy 18. The Bible makes this so easy to understand and so clear. There are tests. Okay. Deuteronomy 18, verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and they always do, they always say, oh, the Lord has told me this. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. In other words, he made it up. You shall not be afraid of him. Ah, okay. So if I told you, hey, Gene, last night I had a dream. The Lord told me in a dream that this studio is going to explode mm -hmm. halfway through today's show. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the fourth segment of the show. We're near the end of the show. Don't worry. God didn't tell me it's going to explode at any time. But if <laughs> so he did, I would say we could, you, you were speaking presumptuously. That would be speaking presumptuously, yes. right? The Lord told me the studio is going to blow up and Harim's going to blow right out onto the street when it does. Oh, poor Harim. Poor Harim. We're going to blow him out <laughs> on the street. Obviously, it didn't happen at halftime. No. Right? Right. It's not So real. you would have failed the test. Right. I I would not yeah. believe that you were a prophet of God And we've God got all that. these psychics and, you know, they make all these predictions. Every year I go and look at the big predictions that psychics make across America every year. Yeah. And none of them ever come to pass. Well, and yet everybody still sends their money and listens to them next year when they make another prediction. It's always around New Year's Eve that they're making predictions for the coming year. Right, Dick Clark is going to found a new religion and take up ballet. That was one. And <laughs> was that a legitimate one? Yeah, Satan's oh, going to be hard. found living in a homeless shelter next year. That was oh, 20 dear. years ago. We still haven't found him living in a homeless shelter. Yeah. They're not real. Right. God's not right. going to get it wrong. If God says such and such is going to happen, it's going to happen. Now, there is an exception to that rule, mm -hmm. and the exception is this, a, a conditional prophecy. So, for example, Jonah goes to Nineveh and says, Nineveh is going to be destroyed if you don't repent. Right. There's an if in it. There, yeah, yes, that was the right? condition. And the Ninevites repent. And they repented. And the king repents. And so the city's not destroyed. The city's spared. That That's had right. a condition in it. So that yeah. would be the one exception to that rule is yeah. if it comes with that condition built in then you don't necessarily discount it. But that's not the only test. Okay. Right? So you've given us two so far. The, the the person claiming to have the gift of prophecy must be clear on the person and divinity of Christ. If they make predictions about the future, those predictions must be accurate. Give us a third. Third one. They've got to agree with the Bible. I would oh, call this the test of biblical fidelity. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible was inspired by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. 
God's not going to change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth doesn't change. So if someone comes along saying the Lord has told him something and it disagrees with the scriptures, you throw it out out of hand because the Bible is the rule of faith for the believer. Mm -hmm. This is the standard by which you test everything. We do not test the Bible by what a prophet says. We test what the prophet says by By the the Bible. Bible. How do I know? Deuteronomy 13. Verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign of wonder comes to pass. So he gets it right. Mm -hmm. His prediction comes true, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known. Let us Mm. serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Mm. So they might get things right. They might get their prediction right. It might come to pass. But if the next thing they tell you contradicts the word of God, they say, aha, see, I got it right. The Eiffel Tower is going to collapse on March the 20th. I hope it doesn't now. If it, well, that was just <laughs> oh, a random example. If it doesn't, if it ever goes down on March 20, that's a coincidence. Yeah. I don't claim to have this gift. Not at all. But let's say it happens. But then the next day he says, the Lord has also shown me that there are four people in the Godhead and we can now worship. Yeah, I don't know. No. Then they fail that, that big test. This Gomer Lapuza. You know, uh, there is no God named Gomer Lapuza. So, yeah, he fails. Fails. So has to agree. We read that a moment ago too, didn't we, in Isaiah chapter 8? We did, 20. we did. To the we law did. and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, mm-hmm. it's because there's no light in them. They've right. got to agree it's with Scripture. The Bible ties the disappearance, in fact. You know, there was a moment where the gift of prophecy disappeared in the camp of Israel because Israel was so disobedient. Jeremiah is delivering a, a last message. And, of course, there were prophets in Babylon, Daniel, and so on. But during their disobedience, God ties the gift to obedience to his word. Mm -hmm. Lamentations 2, verse 9, describes the sorry state of Israel. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her kings and princes are among the nations. The law is no more. So they're not obeying God's law. Remember, we read in the book of Revelation that in the last days, there would be people, God's people would keep the commandments of God and and have the testimony of Jesus. Yeah, put those two things together. Here we have a case in Lamentations 2, verse 9, where the law is no more, and her prophets find no vision Ah, from the Lord. Yeah. It's over. So it's related, definitely. Obedience Mm -hmm. to the word. Biblical fidelity is that test. Okay. Is there another test? Yep. They're going to build up the church instead of rip it down. Sometimes a prophet will point out sins in the church, but they're not going to say the church is done away with or... Right, because we read in Ephesians 4 that all these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The gift is there to edify and build up the body of Christ. It's always going to be pointing people in the right direction Mm -hmm. and not steering them away from God's church. So if this is a person who's always hypercritical and they're calling people, leave the church, They're disrupting the biblical mission of the church. Mm-hmm. They're disrupting the church. They're running down organized religion. Mm. Then it's not the real thing. Okay. It's because not edifying the obviously, work of the you body know, of Christ. Um, the alternative to organized religion yeah. is disorganized religion, and that's not New Testament Christianity. Hmm. So Four we re- tests. Yep, four tests. Uh, There are so many. You know, we'll not try to usurp the authority of Scripture. We've kind of touched on that. They won't be prideful because that's just not the Spirit of God. Okay. Uh, Not afraid to call out sin by its right name. Isaiah 58 says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. But then the big one, manifestations. How does this gift happen? 
It's always visions and dreams. Numbers 12, verse 6, God says, I, the Lord, make myself known to him, a prophet among you, and a vision I speak to him in a dream. We read in Joel chapter 2 that it'll be dreams and visions in the last days. It's always dreams and visions, dreams and visions. Um, So if the reading tea leaves and tarot cards, that is not the method of God. Mm -hmm. Numbers 12, verse 6, Joel 2, verse 28, Daniel 10 even says that Daniel went into vision and he lost the breath in his body. He quit breathing. You can't fake that. And then he was supernaturally strengthened. So you've got these manifestations, not really tests, but it's got to be dreams and visions. And often they'll stop breathing in vision. You can't fake that one. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone mm-hmm. says they're in vision. Easy to figure out. Hold mm-hmm. up, you know, pinch their nose, see how long the vision lasts. And <laughs> That's a good test If they're gasping right for breath, it wasn't the real thing. Just cut off their air and see if it keeps going. Okay. I'm not sure that's a biblical way to handle that, but at least check to see if they're they're breathing. Those are the manifestations. So we've got all these tests, faithful Ex- to the scriptures and mm-hmm, so on. Mm-hmm. So, so, Sean, there are some names and we really don't have a lot of time. No, but, but let's uh, talk about the big one. I know, what you're, a, I know where you're a going. Biggie, does this individual, Nostradamus, Yeah, does he, he came pass, up in recent shows. He did. Yeah. Does he pass any of these tests? Let's talk about Nostradamus. Can you can go into any bookstore and find hundreds of books by Nostradamus. It's a great big old cult section. Mm-hmm. Here's what we know. He wrote all these little poems called Quatrains and put them in volumes called The Centuries. And he had 449 major prophecies, 449. Okay, Okay. that's a lot. Out of 449, 18 of them have been wrong. Okay. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. 18 have been wrong. That is 440, only 18 wrong. But I ask you this, would God get 18 wrong? Would God get 18 wrong? No. No. So even 18 wrong isn't good enough. And these aren't conditional. He just got 18 wrong. So so some people say, yeah, but 18 wrong is impressive. Until you realize that of the rest of them, there are 390, the leftover, Mm -hmm. that don't match anything that's ever happened in history at any point. Nobody knows what they mean. They don't make a lick of sense. So 309, here's what it boils down to. He's gotten 9% right in the last 500 years. Is 9% Would you go to a dentist with a 9% (laughs) accuracy rate? No, that fails the biblical task, yeah. clearly. Would you go to a brain surgeon who gets 9%? No. no. You stick with 100%. I wouldn't go to a hairdresser who got 9% accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone to a hairdresser who got 9% accuracy, and it looked like it when I was done. Yeah. God doesn't get it wrong. The Bible is the rule of faith. No prophet's going to challenge. We've had prophets in the last 200 years, some that raised, grew up here in America, even said, we've got a new book that supersedes the Bible. No, no. They agree with the Word of God. A prophet's going to steer you towards the Word of God. They're going to be clear on who Jesus is. They're not going to claim to be superior to the church or superior to the Word of God or superior to God himself or the prophets, the biblical prophets of the past. Does it happen? Yes, it does. We can expect it in the last days. But the Bible warns us, don't believe every spirit. Check everything against the Word of God. I hear the music. It means we're out of time. I have a prediction. The clock is running out. I'm going to make a (laughs) prophecy right here that there's nine seconds to go. And that means we're out of time until we join up again together here at this station or on this podcast. Until next time, I'm Sean.